for my first episode of 2021, I'm talking with an officer from a mid-sized agency in the Pacific Northwest. She has been on for just under two years. We talk about the current climate for law enforcement and the impact on someone who has just entered this profession. Given the location of her department, she has not been on the front lines of riots and protests. I would say, however, she's battling an assault on a personal level with the perspective people have of the police, not just nationally, but within her own circle. It is something I imagine many officers, new or tenured, are experiencing. Her insights are heartfelt and heart-wrenching. Officer, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. I have to say, since you've joined recently, what made you interested in becoming a police officer? There's a few things. Everyone has this um, when they're interviewing, but saying that they want to make a difference in the world. There's definitely that aspect for me. Specifically, I was kind of in a space where I could become like a VP in a company. And uh, while that would have made me a lot of money, I realized money wasn't a motivating factor for me. And my husband asked me if I could do anything in my education wasn't holding me back because I felt like I was kind of pigeonholed in what I was doing. What would I want to do? And I told him I want to be a detective. And he was like, well, that's easy. All you have to do is be a police officer first. I was like, no, I can't do that. I knew that women were police officers, but I had never really met a woman who was a police officer. So I always just assumed I was too small of a woman or whatever. I didn't have those skills. I don't know how to fight, all that. And he was like, no, you absolutely could. And he introduced me to some women in law enforcement. And they all really encouraged me to get into it. It took me about two to three years, but... I'm finally here. (laughs) Two to three years to test? Two to three years to prepare, because I was not strong at all. (laughs) I had to work out a lot. Uh, Prepare for the the applications and stuff, and then finally apply. And then the whole application time period probably took about a year to finally get go from applying to hired. Um, there was a lot of agencies I applied to, and uh, I originally only applied for one agency, thinking that was the only agency I wanted to work for, and then realized very quickly that that was putting all my eggs in one basket. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it out there. And I applied for like 20 agencies. <laughs> And whichever one bit, I was like, here we go. <laughs> and are you happy you landed where you landed? Oh, absolutely. I honestly feel like it worked out for the best. They say uh, law enforcement is a family, and I absolutely feel that way about my agency. They're like an extension of my family. And why is that? I think part of it is the danger aspect that you put yourselves in every day. You know, we always have each other's back. We're always looking out for each other's safety. If I'm out with somebody, uh, I always know that there's someone headed my way. And how does it feel for you when you're the backing officer or you're the one coming to help someone else? Uh, Well, I want to get there as fast as possible. (laughs) Kind of have this sense of urgency, like I should have already been there. Uh, Well, I think a lot of the audience is law enforcement, but and a lot of the audience knows about law enforcement. But I think that really is a very important part that I've learned is how much of a family it is. I do think when you say you wanted to make a difference of all the officers I've talked to, To a person, that's what they say. So tell me more about wanting to make a difference. Well, I spent 10 years basically in nonprofit work before I did this career change. But I was always on the administrative side. 
I was, I was pretty good at mentally like recognizing that even doing administrative work, I was making a difference in those nonprofits, you know, because I was always supporting the people who were doing the direct service. But I definitely felt like something was missing for me in not being able to see the faces of the people we were serving. And so there was definitely that aspect to getting into law enforcement that I was really looking forward to. And I do look forward to. I really enjoy working with people. I have people regularly thank me for being there. Um, I've even had people that I've arrested (laughs) thank me for being there. I feel like I have kind of a calming presence for some people. Even when, you know, I'm taking someone to jail, I try my hardest to treat them with respect. As long as they treat me with respect, I think it goes both ways. There's like a mutual, a kind of a understanding at that point that I'm doing my job and for better, for worse, they didn't follow the law. So what are some examples of people thanking you when you've arrested them? Just the other day, actually, we had a pretty big case. We had several people in custody and I was transporting one of them back to the department. From there, we then transport them to jail. She was asking me all kinds of kinds of questions because this was the first time she had ever been arrested. I tried my best to explain it to her and I told her like, I didn't think she was a bad person, but you know, she just got caught up in a bad thing and she kind of broke down in tears and was like, thank you so much for explaining it to me. Oh, that must feel good. Yeah, and it's not about me feeling good about it, you know, but I do feel like some people are liars, right? (laughs) And some people will lie to get out of whatever they're doing and they'll say like, I've never done anything, but you can usually kind of tell. And I, I feel like this particular woman, she was very genuine with me and I had no reason to not be that way with her, so... You mentioned in our pre-interview a sort of funny story about when you were in field training. Can you tell me that story? Sure. So when I was on FTO, which is our field training program, I was working nights and we had, I had just stopped a car. I believe it was because I suspected that the driver was, uh, had a driving status of suspended. And then during the process, discovered that there was drug paraphernalia in the car And based on uh, my experience with the person who was driving, I believed that he had a significant amount of narcotics on him and was potentially a dealer. So I was investigating that. His passenger, she had a warrant, so I had placed her under arrest and she was in the back of my car. She wanted to give me some information about the person who was driving. Long story short, we were in the process of that investigation, my, my field training officer had walked away and I was with just her and she was like, can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. Yeah, go for it. She goes, are you new? (laughs) And I was like, oh God, is it obvious? (laughs) (laughs) She's like, well, no, I mean, I can tell that you're new, but I just want you to know you're doing a really good job. And I don't know, that kind of took me back. I don't think anyone had said that to me before, not anyone I had under arrest. So I was like, well, okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) well that's great have you felt like you're doing a good job how has it been I think so there are definitely moments like I'm my own worst critic I think everyone is I'll replay cases over in my head interviews over in my head you know contacts with people over in my head where I feel like I maybe got lucky and it wasn't like I had great tactics or anything and I beat myself up a little bit about how good I did or what I should have done or if it had really gone south, you know, what could have happened. 
but I definitely think there are moments where uh, my skills absolutely come in into play, especially my my skills in communication. Right. Having people feel heard. When you say having people feel heard, what do you mean? I feel like some people, most people, just want someone to listen. I've had a lot of people just, they don't, they're not trying to hide anything. They're like, yeah, I messed up. And if you come at it as like you're, you're a bad person, they're not going to want to admit to you what they did, you know? But if you talk to them like a human being and you listen to their side, most people I've worked with have ultimately said, yeah, I messed up. Interesting. And you, you reference your size. Talk more about your concern. You reference not having been in bar fights and how have you managed that? Mostly with my words. Like I said, you can usually talk someone out of escalating, but not everyone. So that's where tools come into play. My gear is about 30 pounds. I carry all of that, not because I use it every day, but it's because I might need to. And it's there to protect me. It's there to protect other people as well. I don't, I don't think I've used any tools, knock on wood. I've pulled them out in preparation, but I haven't deployed any of them. Most people don't want to fight me, I think, because of my size, honestly. Sometimes some of my coworkers show up and suddenly the guy wants to fight. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know if it's because of my size. I know, you know, there's kind of a code among men in general that they won't hit a woman. Whether you're an officer or not, I guess, that still remains for some people. But that's not the case for everyone. Honestly, most of the uh, use of forces I've gotten into are with women. Because they don't, they don't mind hitting me. <laughs> I got uh, swiped in the face by one. I was trying to de-escalate her and she was hitting her head on a wall so I pulled her away from the wall she fell to the ground and I was trying to calm her down and she was laying on the on her back and she just swung luckily I was above her so I was able to kind of pull back but she still uh, made contact with my cheek it wasn't that bad though it was just a little sore choosing to become a police officer when you did I assume you weren't anticipating the environment that we now find ourselves in yeah How's that affected you? Well, I had a lot of conversations with people, you know, like it took a long time for me to get to this place. So I basically I was coming in post Ferguson, right? I knew what happened with Ferguson and that I, I didn't know really what law enforcement was doing pre or post. I can't really say that I was necessarily would have considered myself even pro-law enforcement before I got into law enforcement. I wasn't anti-law enforcement either. I think I'm kind of where a lot of the public is with watching what's happening and being, you know, shocked and maybe disgusted at the the actions that we're seeing, but not recognizing it as a reflection of all people who choose that career, that career being law enforcement recognizing that I'm saying this from only two years into law enforcement and there's a lot of people with probably different opinions who have the same job you know I was really shocked at what happened with George Floyd and I watched the video and you know I remember just being like why are you still basically sitting on his neck that didn't make sense to me and not what I was trained to do in the moment you gain control you do something else, you know, you change their position or whatever. You don't let someone lay there for that long. 
it was really sad. It was really sad to watch. It was really hard to watch. I was really frustrated and sad, and I looked for ways that I can do better. I immediately started looking into what anti-racism was, because I started hearing a lot about it. Like, I, it's not like that was a new topic for me. Like I said, I was in law enforcement, or not law enforcement, I was in um, nonprofit work for a long time before I got into law enforcement. So having those conversations, those difficult conversations was not new for me. But I think it's just such a charged topic in law enforcement. I feel like it's more about educating yourself on what the past has been. When you say uh, difficult conversations in uh, nonprofit work, what do you mean? We had a lot of training in um, like cultural competency. We had these groups where we used to choose a topic every month to discuss, whether that be issues that black people face, other people of color. Sometimes we talk about white privilege, just all kinds of topics. And they're not easy topics. They would be really raw conversations. There were safe spaces where people could share their experience. And this was all my uh, fellow coworkers. So it wasn't like we had a a huge cross-section of people, but I feel like that's where the conversations start, is with your community, you know? Well, I think you're absolutely right. These are very important conversations to have, and I think it's going to be the thing that helps us get through this time. But what I struggle with is, like, you hear on the news or, you know, on in social media, people say, I don't even know what the number is, but a thousand people will die at the hands of police this year. And to that, I want to know the facts. I'd like to know how many people died at the hands of law enforcement unlawfully, because you don't hear about that. Well, I think I I said this in a previous interview. What is difficult is currently any use of force is viewed by the public as wrong, and that is not correct. Of course, I know there are people who feel unfairly targeted by the police, and I need to acknowledge that perspective. At the same time, as one of the lieutenants I interviewed said, you have to follow the facts set. I do think it would be helpful to all of us to understand what went on, an objective recounting of the situation. Yeah, and I don't think that we'll ever really get that. The court of public opinion happens so quickly and is so decisive, and then once the dust has settled, and maybe more of the truth comes out, it's no longer talked about in the media and it doesn't fit the narrative. So they just don't even bring it up, you know? It's just, it's just frustrating, I think. I hate reading about these shootings in the media, but I know it will never be the full truth and I wanna know what actually happened. And this is why I don't post anything. Like my friends wanna, wanna see me you know, take an anti-racism stance. And I do in everyday actions that I take. But I don't think that that means I have to post anything about it. Because one, when you post something that's out there forever and everyone thinks that that's the end of your opinion, you know, what you wrote is the end all. And I don't feel like that's the case. If someone wants to ask me what my opinion is, I'll have a conversation with them, but I don't need to put it out there for the world to see. And I think that that frustrates some people because they want to see more law enforcement come forward and say, I'm going to stop things when I see it. But I don't think that they realize that we do that, you know, and that these 
these incidents that we see across the country are not the majority of incidents. It feels like a lot to them because it's what they see and it's all the media will show them. And then, you know, I've, I've, I've lost friends over what's happened, really long-term friends, like friends I've been with for 20 years have decided that I'm not worth talking to anymore. And that's really sad. Tell me more about that. I've got some friends that are not saying defund police. They're saying abolish police. And uh, they're, to them, they're, no police officer is a good police officer. I've tried having conversations with them. Not really since all this came out because I, it's just been so charged and I'm not even really sure what to say to them. But they had this opinion before the George Floyd incident. And so you're saying that friends of yours see you as a cop first, not a person. And because you're a police officer, they can't be friends with you. That's my, that's what it feels like. You know, they've, as ridiculous as it sounds, you know, they, they've removed me from Facebook. I don't know why, other than to say, I don't want to be connected with you anymore. Like, that's kind of the message it sends to me. I don't know what they're thinking. What I find so difficult about that is, I, you know, having people who don't have any relationship to law enforcement, hating law enforcement is one thing, but to have someone who's actually your friend seems very painful to me. Yeah, or was my friend, I guess. Yeah, or maybe they weren't a friend. But, you know, how if a friend of yours isn't going to seek to understand, how are we going to get anyone to seek to understand? And I'm sure they're feeling that way too, you know? No officers are going to seek to understand our opinion, so why bother trying to talk to them about it anymore? Because in their opinion, nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing you said in our pre-interview, someone said to you, silence is violence. And then you told me your response to that. People who say that I don't feel like have actually seen violence because violence is violence. And there, I've seen women get beat because they didn't put the right dinner on the table. So you've responded to DV calls where someone's actually been beaten? Yeah, I mean, I've responded to calls where there's been women beaten for doing what they, you know, doing actions that they do every day that no one else would think to hit someone for or beat someone for. And that's violence. Those must be tough calls to respond to. Yeah, they're the most dangerous calls for us to do, to go to. Domestic violence and traffic stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anyone said it to me specifically. I just, I see it a lot in social media posts. You also had said, you know, all this negativity is very triggering to you and that people t tend to forget we're human. Yeah, I'm, I've been a lot better about it, but I think this summer hit me really hard with all the anti-police rhetoric. For better or for worse, maybe it, it cured me of my uh, social media addiction because I, I had to <laughs> avoid it, really. Like every other thing was another incident that had happened in some other state something that again we don't have all the facts for which to me is as somebody who like seeks to understand everything is so frustrating <laughs> i can't come to conclusions until i feel like i have been i've analyzed all the facts you know just the same as i can't come to the conclusion that someone's committed a crime without obtaining all the facts. 
I can't say that a use of force was wrong just because the media said so. Everyone deserves due process. And to that, some people will respond, when you chose to take someone's life, that wasn't due process for them. And while I can respect that, I also, to that, I would reply, if someone's gonna pull a gun on me, I'm going home. I do this every day for the benefit of other people. I don't, and I'm not an, a law enforcement officer for myself. So who are you a police officer for? I'm a police officer for the society as a whole. I want to represent something bigger than myself. I believe law and order is important for a society to function fully, to respect the rights of others so that we can live in a peaceful society. You know, if, I think if we take away all the laws, unfortunately, I don't think human nature is very kind. There are people out there that I think would be kind in the absence of laws, but they, those are the people that would be taken advantage of. Well, even bringing it back to the beginning, when you said you want to make a difference in what I noted, you said you want to see the faces of the people you are serving, which I thought was really powerful. What's going through my mind right now is while you're not in Seattle or Portland and being bodily harmed and having Molotov cocktails thrown at you, you're experiencing just within your social circle, within your life, another kind of abuse and lack of respect, it sounds like. It's an interesting, sad, other perspective. Like, I wouldn't say what I'm experiencing is the equivalent of having you know, bricks thrown at my head during a protest. It's definitely an assault on my emotions and my mental health, which I find really interesting because like in the same, or like back-to-back -back posts, people put like, no, no police officer is a good police officer. And then the next post will be, take care of your mental health. If you're feeling suicidal, call somebody, talk to somebody. The words that you're putting out there about no officer is a good officer is making officers feel inadequate and they are human beings. And unfortunately, the number one killer of police officers is suicide. That's right. We have the officer down memorial page for on-duty law enforcement deaths, but we don't keep track of all of the officers that have killed themselves which is really unfortunate, not because I feel like that needs to be publicized, you know, when someone takes their life, because it is such a charged, you know, some people have really strong opinions about that, but um, I feel like it needs to be more common knowledge because your mental health is not only important for yourself, it's important for the people that you're serving. Like if you're going into a call and you're already messed up about some other call that you've been to or you don't know how to calm yourself down. Because I've, I've talked to some people, um, you know, some citizens who will be like, I had a terrible traffic, you know, somebody pulled me over and he was such an asshole to me. I'm like, okay, like maybe he was an asshole or she was an asshole and maybe that's not right that they should have been that way. You also don't know what they went through. 30 minutes before they had to stop you. And they probably didn't want to stop you, but everyone else was watching. And, you know, sometimes with the traffic stops I make are not because I want to give the person a ticket. It's because there's a ton of other people around who just saw what you did and they need to see that I'm going to 
take some action against what you did so that it doesn't make it right for everyone to do it. And maybe I'm on my way to a call, but I have to do this first, depending on the you know severity of the call that I'm on my way to, of course. Back on patrol then, and you're being on you know almost two years, what have the rewards been? Well, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Describe fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I enjoy when I'm headed to, to a theft in progress call. I'm trying to think five steps ahead of this person. Maybe they haven't left the store yet. So where are we going to set up? So the strategy of it. Yeah, the strategy of it. It's fun. You know, we've talked about a lot of difficult things in the environment in terms of patrol. What are the challenges or the hard parts? Like I said earlier, there's the danger aspect, absolutely, which you have to always keep in mind. And I feel like I've had a lot of calls where my heart rate goes up just thinking about, you know, what could go wrong. Yeah, I would think I've asked this of a few people, you know, where what role fear plays. I think fear never goes away. You get used to it, but I think as long as you keep your humanity, you'll always have some fear. It sounds to me like you bring a lot of humanity to the job. I try to, yeah, I do. One of my favorite things to do is I see a lot of children, maybe they're outside with their family going for a walk or something. Sometimes I'll see children really excited and sometimes I can tell that they're not so sure, maybe because you know, whatever their parents' opinions are of police officers. If it's appropriate, sometimes I'll, I'll give them stickers. But if not, usually what I'll at least do is, like, turn on my overhead lights or something as I drive by, and I'll see them, like, point, and then they get all excited. It's, like, one of my favorite things to do. I love seeing, I don't know, injecting, like, some excitement. I don't want people to be afraid of law enforcement. I feel I want them to think that we're here to protect them, not hurt them. Like I said earlier, I don't want to discount people's experiences because if they've had really bad experiences, like, I am sorry. I am really sorry that that happened. And I feel like that's why I'm here. I want to make their experiences a good experience. I, for one, am glad you have chosen to be a police officer. I appreciate what you do and the commitment that you've made. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I felt important for me to to do as much as I don't like to share myself publicly. I felt like it was important for me to share from my experience, I guess. I feel like there's a lot of experiences out there that need to be heard. I think what you're doing is important, so th thank you for doing it.